Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. I'm Robert Lamb. I'm Julie Douglas. You know, Julie, I want to kick off the podcast by just giving a shout out to our male, all of our male listeners out there, because uh, according to some studies that uh, we've been reading today, uh, they might not be around forever. In fact, the uh, males as we know it may become extinct. What? Like, yeah. like woolly mammoth extinct? Like woolly mammoth extinct? Like it'll just be just be ladies out there, uh, and and I guess it just I I, I feel kind of. I'm kind of fearful for any podcast that's not uh, uh, stuff your mom didn't tell you. Well, um, I don't know. I mean, I think that you're a brave man to introduce such a subject. <laughs> I mean, this is this is going to elicit, I think, a really emotional response. Well, not not really, because uh, I, 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 if you're tuning in and you're expecting me to like jump to the defense of males as we discuss the possibility of an all female planet and the um, extinction of uh, of the the masculine gender, I'm. And I'm not going to defend guys too much because I, I tend to, and there's a mistake in this too, to, to rely too heavily on this, but I tend to attribute, uh, attribute a lot of the, um, horrors of the world to, um, to masculine, uh, dominance in the culture. Hmm. And, uh, and, you know, lay a lot of the, uh, the crimes of humanity at the feet of the, uh, uh, patriarchy. Wow. I christen you Robert <laughs> Lionhearted Lamb. Uh, so let's let's get into that a little bit more. I mean, if if the uh, if men aren't going to be around, what's going on? So what would make them become extinct? Well, to, to to get to that point, we really need to discuss what men are. Like, there's a tendency to sort of like if if you look at like you know see biblical accounts and and all, there's this idea of like oh God created a guy and then he created a woman, but uh, it kind of goes back to like we were talking about uh, in a previous podcast about male nipples. The reason males have nipples. It's because females have nipples, right? And uh, and and the, the nipples are—it's kind of like the the car that uh, that uh, you get in the car, and you're like, oh, well, there's just an empty spot where the uh, cigarette lighter goes. Well, the other cars have the cigarette lighter because that's the the main model. Like so, the female is the main model, and the male uh, gender is just this uh, this offshoot that's necessary for procreation. Wow. So it's the, the afterthought. Right. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So. To get there, I think we need to look at chromosomes. Yeah, the chromosomes are key. Like, ladies, XX, men, XY. Okay. And so that Y isn't, that, that whole uh, story about the Y being this imperfect version of the X isn't too far off. Yeah, that's yeah. my understanding of it. Okay. So, and we all know that our cells contain 23 pairs of chromosomes, and 22 of those pairs are matched pairs, and those are shared by men and women, but the 23rd is different. And I, there's the rub, right? Mm-hmm. Because in women, the 23rd pair is made up of two chromosomes. In men, it's made up of an X chromosome and a Y chromosome. Duh, yeah. And it's that Y chromosome that determines maleness in humans. And it holds genes necessary for forming testes and making sperm. So the fact that it doesn't have a matching pair poses a bit of a problem for the Y chromosomes. Uh, because all the other chromosomes, they come in two copies, and every time a cell divides, mistakes and genes can creep in. And so in paired chromosomes, that means that if there's a, a mistake, you can go back, and a cell can always get the correct gene sequence from the other chromosome. But that is not the same situation for the Y. Yeah, there have been some uh, some really interesting studies. Uh, the one that I was looking at was from the uh, Royal College of Surgeons in Ireland, and it's a 2009 study, and... Uh, and again, you need a Y chromosome to be male. And they, uh, this study found that 
you know, 300 million years ago, the Y chromosome had 1,400 genes on it. Okay. Now we're down to about 45. And Whoa. at the rate we're going, uh, we're going to run out of genes on the Y chromosome in about 5 million years, according to this particular study. Now, I think you found an even uh, uh, shorter estimate, didn't you? Um, the estimate that I looked at was 125,000 years. Okay. Yeah. And the reason, though, is because the mistakes have crept into the Y chromosome. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time a gene on the, the chromosome goes bad, it basically disappears. So that's why it's gotten down so low. So scientists theorize that the X and Y chromosome did start out with the same amount of genes. But you're seeing in, in the Y chromosome uh, quite a depletion. Okay. And enter geneticist Brian Sykes who is introducing this sort of lightning rod idea that the chromosome, the Y chromosome will become extinct in 125,000 years because of its lack of ability to recombine with other chromosomes and repair itself. So, I mean, this is what people have found. The researchers have found that over a millennia, the Y chromosome has lost most of its genes, which is really stunning. Yeah. And it's not the sort of information they were actively looking for. It's just as they were studying, they went, whoa, what's going on here with the, with the Y chromosome? Yeah, it's worth mentioning that, um, that there's a gene called uh, the SRY. Yeah. And uh, this is important because it switches on the development of testes and pumps out male hormones that determines uh, maleness or masculinity. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you look at Brian Sykes, he's basically saying that regardless regardless of that function, men, as you had already pointed out too, are genetically modified women. Yes. Uh, so flaws are never repaired. And if that goes on for generation after generation, Sykes argues, eventually there are no functioning Y chromosomes left. And those, I mean, huge implications right. for the future of the world. Like we could basically potentially go the way of the vole. You could. <laughs> yeah, apparently the, uh, the, the vole, which is kind of like a mole, except it begins with a V. Right. Yeah. A rodent. Yeah, that's the scientific explanation. It's a, it's a rodent, typically found in Eastern Europe, Europe. And then there are uh, also uh, country rats in Japan, uh, that have this as well. They have no Y chromosome and no SRY gene. So okay. how are they getting by? Okay. So what they're doing is that because they have seemed to have lost their Y chromosome somewhere down the line, they have genetic material that confers maleness and has transferred itself to another chromosome. So yes. it's jumping chromosomes right. and applying that chromosome on there. But if I'm under, if I'm understanding this, uh, right, it's only going to produce two X chromosomes. It's not actually going to re- reproduce another Y. Okay. So it's adapted, but it's not necessarily carrying on its maleness. Yeah. According to the study I was looking at, they said that there are several candidate genes that could potentially, um, uh, you know, jump in and take over from the SRY uh, to, uh, uh, you know, again, to switch on the development of testes and pump out male hormones. Um, and it's even possible that two or more different se- uh, sex determination systems based on different genes uh, could pop up in different populations, which I, th- which I think is, a, and this is in the human population. Uh, so you could conceivably have... Uh, have this situation where you have different, in a way, different species sort of uh, huh. splitting off. Okay, so it'd be like divergent paths. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's a very interesting proposition. Yeah, without the SRY, like one group of people, like suddenly their systems are using this gene to determine sex, but then this other group has this other method. Like there, uh, there are other sex-determining tools in the toolbox. Okay. And it's kind of, we're kind of unsure what... Uh, nature might go with for different groups. Okay. And then, of course, these groups would not necessarily be compatible with one another. That's what uh, 
studies talking about. So I'm also thinking about David Page of MIT's Whitehead Institute, mm-hmm. who disagrees that, that the Y chromosome would actually become extinct. Because he says that in his research that the Y chromosome has been secretly creating backup copies of itself in its most important genes. Oh. Not all of them. Y I mean, chromosome I think, conspiracy theories. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I think it's important to know it, it's not all of the, the, the genes, just the most important ones. Uh, and these are stored in the DNA as mirror images or palindromes. Okay. And, and palindrome is, you might remember from, uh, everyone from, uh, English class, that's a word, that's also a word that is spelled the same way backwards as forward, like race car. Or none. Or none. <laughs> or toot. Or toot. Yes, my favorite. Um, so, basically, Paige is saying that, you know, looking at that logic, they're not, it's not necessarily going to go extinct. That's how it's actually been repairing itself um, and, and still been in circulation, so to speak. And so it kind of brings me to a natural question, though. If if uh, men and the Y chromosome more specifically are imperfect, the imperfect expression of the X, are they needed biologically anymore, especially given our technological advances? Well, it's interesting when you look at uh, you you look at, in, at the examples in nature. There are plenty of examples of asexual reproduction, mm-hmm. um, parthenogenesis. Yeah, of course, there are also plenty of examples um, that I find rather interesting of. Of situations where the the male is just not necessary in the long run. Yeah, there's a, another rodent uh, called uh, the brown antechinus, also known as uh, Macley's marsupial mouse. So maybe it's not a maybe it's not a rodent, maybe it's a marsupial. But at any rate, this uh, particular uh, species, the male mates like crazy for like 12 hours at a time. Mm-hmm. I believe this was featured on uh, Life or Planet Earth, uh, one of those two programs. Just mates like crazy. Mate, 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 then. Day, night. Yep. And then <laughs> All just the time. eventually just humps himself to death, just <laughs> dies. Uh, and the benefit here is at this point, he's, uh, he's done his, his part. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's facilitated, uh, sexual reproduction. That's so cold. He's fulfilled his biological. Yeah. And now he's dead. And by yeah. being dead, that's one less mouth to feed. Right. Because you know? otherwise he would just be sitting around. You know, eating food, watching TV until then. Drinking you know, beer. Yeah. You know how, how men are. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and this way he's, <laughs> he has at least the common courtesy to die afterwards. And you see this, you know, in, in insects as well, uh, and in other species where the male having performed his role, uh, just kicks the bu- bucket or, uh, the female devours his head. Yes. Yeah. I, I do re- recall hearing about that. The praying mantis. Yeah. Yes. Well, you also have virgin births. Mm-hmm. Which happen um, in boa constrictors, for instance, and happened actually pretty recently, where um, a boa constrictor fused a copy of herself of her of her eggs. Excuse me, she took her eggs and she fused a copy of her genetic material, uh-huh. which stimulated embryonic development. And um, the reason they know that that happened because she was housed with males is that she had this uh, caramel colored broad of little boa constrictors which wasn't um, a genetic trait of any of the males. Huh. And, you know, this it happens every once in a while. Wow, so they can get by. Yeah, they can get by. They can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan. <laughs> there are a couple of exam- other examples. they don't have to <laughs> even acknowledge you're a man. <laughs> there are a couple of other examples from the insect uh, world that I really like. Uh, uh, one, there is a, there, well, there was a, a study uh, from uh, North Carolina State University, and uh, they were looking at, uh, at termites. And they found that, uh, like basically with termites, you have like a young queen goes out, finds it, founds a new colony. 
then she has a termite king. And as is often the case in the insect world, the king is just there for the mating. Again, right. the females are the species. The male is just the, um, you know, the, 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 the byproduct that's necessary to uh, facilitate sexual reproduction. Boy. Yeah, he's just a, a pool boy mm-hmm. hanging out in, in the drone chamber. Yeah, so the crown. So, uh, so anyway, they they start doing it, reproducing, but then the queen eventually dies. Like she, it's you know, it's a big responsibility running a, uh, you know, a whole community of termites. That's stressful. Yeah. So then you need another queen. But but here's the thing: you don't inbreeding is typically a bad uh, thing for a community. Right. So. Uh, you know, just on a genetic level, you know, I'm not talking about because <laughs> social implications. Yeah, because there's no real social anything in you know in the the termite world. Um, so they need a new queen, right? And we don't, but, but we don't need the king to to start breeding with a daughter. So the queen will asexually reproduce to create mm-hmm. the new queen, essentially clone herself, so that there's no uh, no crossing of the genetic streams, so to speak. I gotcha. Yeah. And then, uh, then I read, uh, there was another interesting study, um, and, uh, this one, uh, was featured in a BBC article not too long ago. And, um, they, uh, covered Amazonian ants, which are, um, essentially an all female species at this point. Like they, at, at some point, they basically were like, you know, ladies, we can do this on our own. We don't need the, this drone just hanging around. Uh, you know, we can just, uh, stick with asexual reproduction. So there are a number of benefits to this. Uh, first, the ants don't waste any energy producing males. Uh, which, which again, they don't do much, you know, besides breeding. Right. And, uh, and, you know, they've combined, uh, two positions, uh, you know, in their, uh, their social, um, uh, strata. And, uh, it also doubles the number of reproductive females uh, that are produced each generation. Now, the downside to that is that there's less diversity, uh, which means that, uh, like you get one new parasite, one new disease, and it can essentially wipe out the entire species, which is probably, you know, a reason why, why you, you don't see as, as many asexual, you know, species because, right. it, because it'll often, you know, open them up for, uh, for potential just disaster, uh, when a new, uh, parasite, uh, disease, et cetera comes Right. Along. They want to encourage diversity. Right. And the that's, genetic pool. Right. Exactly. It's the whole reason for, uh, for sexual reproduction over asexual in most cases. But, I mean, here's the thing that I think it's spelling out for humans mm-hmm. is that eventually, it, I mean, right around the corner, I mean, Two women will be able to fertilize an egg with the other's genetic material. Yes. And it will still be a diverse pool of gen- genetic material. And this will be, this will be via, um, a medical procedure or. Exactly. A, yeah, okay. Exactly. And I mean, a good example is just, you know, in, in the animal world is last summer, a Japanese team announced that female mice had been made pregnant using cells from other females and they gave birth to completely healthy babies. Uh, I think the only thing that they noticed is that the babies were about 20% um, smaller than huh. the other mice in the control group. So, I mean, I, I think that's what's sort of spelling that uh, the future might huh. be a matriarchal one. Yeah, like a race a of short women and their robot physicians. Exactly. They're, they're female robot physicians, <laughs> I might add. Well, why, why, does the, wait, why does the physician have to be... Like maybe they'll be a little nostalgic for the the masculinity of the past, and they'll they'll have the robots will be like male robot doctors. Uh, you know, I would say for for any of the ladies listening out there, um, you know, if you've ever had a gynecologist, you're definitely going to want a female robot gynecologist. Hmm. Yeah, even if it is a robot. Okay. Yeah, it's just that's a comforting aspect. 
Yeah, but, but you're right. Maybe maybe some people will be nostalgic. Yeah, like maybe that'll be kind of like <laughs> maybe it'll be programmed to say, "I don't have much time. My golf gang, <laughs> my golf game is right around the corner." Yeah, it'll be like, uh, or maybe they'll go after the model uh-huh. after the uh, the doctors in Mad Men. You know, it's like they're always like smoking in there while they're telling the ladies <laughs> how it is. So. uh because you know, they'll they'll miss it. They'll you know it'd be like oh well you know victory over uh, all the horrible things that were male. But then they're like ah oh, but I kind of miss those jerks. So you know they'll start programming robots to to behave really horribly. Maybe so. This presentation is brought to you by Intel, sponsors of tomorrow. Actually, it makes me think about the article that you sent me. Called the end of men. Oh, this was in the Atlantic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and it was it was sort of spelling out a future, uh, not necessarily through science, maybe more socioeconomic terms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually you might even call it socioeconomic Darwinism. Yeah. In which the the future of uh, of the Earth seems to be geared a lot more toward women right now. So what happened to the men? Are they they're they're not going extinct, but they're just what being. Relegated to like uh, brood chambers. Yeah, 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 they're they're in their man caves. It turns out that they're not adapting as well as women. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out in that this economic environment, that if you're really flexible, you communicate well, uh, you can mitigate arguments, so on and so forth, and in a global economy, that you're going to be pretty useful. Hmm. And uh, there was a, a book called The Evolution of Culture by Leslie White. And the crux of that idea or that book was that social systems are determined by technological systems. So we're at a point in our history, our techno- technological history, where women are beginning to dominate the workplace. Yeah. And so you're looking right now at this year, the balance of the workforce has tipped toward women for the first time ever. And for every two men who get a college degree this year, three men, three women will do the same. And right now, women earn 60% of all master's degrees. So there's definitely a trend here happening. And a lot of this is being exacerbated by the fact that uh, typical male industries, like construction, for instance, has sort of evaporated in the recession. But I think what what's interesting about that article is that it's, it is pointing uh, to a time in our history where women are entering the the workplace and dominating fields that were typically thought as thought of as, as male fields and doing them really well. Yeah. And of course the the wage gap still exists. Women are still getting paid less than men. Mm-hmm. And so you have to wonder too if the economy is rewarding women for not being paid as much and actually employing them over men. That's certainly got to be an aspect of it. It would kind of serve men right though. You think so? Yeah, kind of like like oh you really messed up there, didn't you? You thought you were you were uh, cheating them out of something. You were just opening the door. That's right. Well, I mean, yeah, cause that's that's the uh, the good thing about this is that it's just a matter of time where pay will become equal. Yeah. Particularly when you've tipped the scales in the workplace with more women working there than men. But I should also note that uh, CEOs, top positions, those are still filled by men, obviously. And only 3% of the Fortune 500 CEO, CEOs are women. I mean, huh. that's kind of astounding. Yeah. And then NFL coaches... Am I right, guys? They're mostly, they're not, none of them are women, are they? Yet. Yeah. Till they see my game. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, the reason that I wanted to bring this up, not to get into, you know, cultural, um, happenings for today, because we're more of a science podcast, is to talk about Ronald Erickson 
uh, he's a biologist. So he's kind of a cowboy biologist. Okay. And I'm picturing it. Yep. Yeah, he, I mean, he's the Marble Man. In fact, I think they he, he owns the property where a lot of the Marble <laughs> Man stuff was shot, and he's really proud of that. Um, but he's the guy that's responsible for separating uh, sperm carrying the male producing Y chromosome from the X chromosome. And he's the guy who, who basically brought this to market and saying, Hey, I'm assuming that a lot of people are going to want to have boys and, and be able to determine sex. And this is the guy who, who made that happen. Of course, the big irony now is that people are choosing girls over boys, something like two to one. Hmm. And in some clinics, upwards to 75%. So it's also spelling out a story. That's, you know, being told in something like the Atlantic, giving us stats about women and how they're dominating the workplace. And then when you look at these clinics and you see that people are opting for more women than men, we kind of got to wonder what's going on. And in fact, this guy, I mean, he's quite a character. He basically says, you know, I thought it was going to be all about men because historically that's what we've chosen men over women. But, you know, here I am, a grandfather of a granddaughter who is now a genetic scientist. Yeah, there was a time, um, and this is pointed out in, in several uh, works, but but also in the uh, comedic film Stingray Sam, uh, which I encourage everyone to check out. That uh, there there was a there was a time where the idea of having a uh, a, a female uh, child was uh, was pretty disastrous if you were either really poor or really rich. Right. I mean, China's still kind of shaking that off, yes. Because if you're really rich, you need a male heir, and a female's not necessarily going to cut it. Right. And then if you're really poor, it can be rather heartbreaking to, you know, you have this female child who can't, you know, necessarily work on the farm like you need or do the manual labor that needs doing um, and may suddenly find herself morally compromised by uh, the society around her. Right, you've got the whole dowry thing to worry yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, that too. So, so it was kind of like a, a middle. The, the for a while, they, even the idea that like the you know the female child could be the you know the you know her you know daddy's favorite was more of a middle class thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I mean, again, you look back historically and you see that uh, men in ancient Greece were tying off their left left testicle uh, in the hopes of producing a male heir. I mean, people were taking it very seriously, uh-huh. and some women, you know, back in the day, were actually losing their lives if they didn't produce a male heir. Well, that's worse. That's I'm sorry to groan at the no, no, no torture. I, and yeah, then, I didn't mean to bring it down yeah. there. Um, but so. Some people are in a panic over this, and specifically, I uh, will talk about Japan, where they're they're in a, a national panic over the rise of something they call herbivores, which are men who are gardening and organizing dessert parties and basically <laughs> declining to have sex, while their female counterparts are out in the workplace and they're being known as carnivores. Huh. This is interesting. I've I've seen some uh, some interesting uh, documentaries about this, uh, particularly uh, BBC's Japanorama. Uh, they did a whole show about uh, sexuality in Japan, and in particular, they were looking at uh, like otaku culture, the nerd culture in Japan, where a lot of them, in a very kind of awesome way, it's like there was this, uh, there's this kind of you know, feel, it's kind of, kind of this sort of the the way a lot of people look at nerds. It's like, oh, these guys can't get dates, you know. But there were some of these otaku that were like, you know, I don't really want a, a woman in my life because I have all these awesome hobbies. And collections going on. If, if even if there was a lady, it would just get in the way of this stuff. So uh, no, no, thank you. I'm fine. 
and, and again, I, th- I think that's kind of awesome in a way. It's not very good for the future of one's, um, you know, culture and nation in the long run if everybody's buying into that. But. No, but it does kind of point out that a certain um, amount of gender performance mm-hmm. on humans' parts, right? I mean, yeah. we obviously have biological differences, and there are some differences in our brains. You know, women tend to have, uh, you know, more gray matter in the communication parts of their brains. Um, men have more brawn. But at the end of the day, if we all just you know, had long hair, didn't shave, um, except for, I guess, men in their beards, uh, we would look remarkably similar. You know, am I performing my gender and wearing earrings and lipstick uh-huh. and certain clothing? So your solution is that everybody should stop bathing and that's going to fix everything? Yes, okay. it is. <laughs> I already told you I'm a fan <laughs> of the funk. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. But, you know, I do think that there's... Um, aspect of adaptability here that we're talking about. And if you look at women in the workplace for the last hundred years, they've had to adapt. So I don't think it's all bad news for guys out there. I mean, I think that the chromosomes are repairing themselves uh-huh. and they can adapt. Hmm. Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, I often fall into the trap um, of blaming everything horrible in uh, human civilization on males. Yes. And I think a lot of it can really be laid at their, their feet because right. it's you know, you end up with a, a a culture dominated by by males. It tends to be more, you know more warlike, more violent, and uh, yeah, I mean, just look at the news. I I really don't think I have to make make that strong of a case for this because the the uh, the headlines pretty much do it for me. But an interesting thing was brought up by that Atlantic article was that uh, was there's this theory that it's not really a male female thing in terms of like who's going to be brutal. It's like whatever the dominant sex is mm-hmm. just might be brutal and violent just because it's dominant. Like they uh, point- So it's more like a human nature thing. Right, yeah. And I think ultimately... As opposed to any sort of what we sometimes think are intrinsic values attached to a gender. Right, right. It's uh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of like the whole absolute power corrupts absolutely okay. kind of a deal. The Atlantic uh, article that we mentioned earlier, they they made the uh, this case based on... Uh, on the fact that uh, that the rate of violence committed by middle-aged women has increased uh, since the 1980s, uh, and that you see more and more like high-profile female killers and serial murders. So as you know, as as the female stock in society rises, so perhaps does their uh, capacity for violence, which okay. is an, an interesting argument. And and again, it's it's. I tend to sort of, I tend to like that in that it is maybe a little more of a humans are messed up as opposed to, you know, men are bad, women are good. Cause the we battle all know that, of the sexes, yeah. yeah. I think we're beyond that now. Yeah, because we all know women can be pretty horrible as well. I mean, it's not, yeah. men do not have a, an exclusive copyright on uh, on being wretched. Yeah, and I think that women are sometimes thought of as more altruistic because they have the children and are, are the, the, uh, the, the caregivers. Right. And, you know, that's, that's out of necessity. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, maybe maybe women are replicating their DNA because they're selfish, because they'd like to see their, you know, DNA come to life. Yeah. Um, You know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm a mother and I have a little DNA replicant myself, but, um, you know, I didn't necessarily do that so I could see some gene sequencing in action. But I'm just saying that, you know, to to uh, to say that, oh, you know, women are, are are better than men in that sense or have a better moral compass isn't necessarily true. I'm all on board with what you're saying is that, you know, sometimes it just depends on the circumstance and what the power structure is. And so far, what's proven out is that when you do have men in charge, that there's a 
some some sometimes catastrophic events happening. Sometimes not, but you know, there, there definitely is more violence. And then there's also the relationship between testosterone and excessive risk. Um, this is, I think, interesting to point out. This may be why men aren't as much of a, a good fit in today's uh, economic environment because excessive risk is seen as bad and cooperation, adaptability, flexibility, those are all things that are fitting into the archetype of, of what we're seeing right now. Hmm. Now, I, um, I, was, I was curious. I also looked up uh, prison stats. And I found of that, course. yeah, I found a report from the Bureau of Prisons and, uh, they had, they have these different codes for, uh, for, for different types of crimes. They have like code, uh, when codes that are in the hundreds, like 100, 101, 104, and then there are 200 codes, like 201, 203, 224. And, uh, the 200 codes are things like fighting, fighting, threatening bodily harm and assaulting people. The 100 codes, are killing, attempted murder, a, um, a serious assault, possession of a weapon, all right? And uh, when ex- in examining gender-specific violence, they found it was extremely rare for women to commit uh, these 100-level or, you know, more like murder-level crimes. And a part of this was in that they, they were like, oh, well, we need a separate sy- you know, system for uh, determining, like, male violence and female violence mm-hmm. and, and as far as the prison system is concerned. So that's an... That's interesting to take into account. But then again, you're looking at female or male violence within uh, within the culture, uh, within the larger culture. Right. So There's so many different layers yeah. of that nature versus nurture and so on and so forth. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a sticky subject. Yeah. I mean, we started out just talking about how the Y chromosome, it, it, it can't repair itself so great. And uh, the implications of that. Yeah. I mean, they're far reaching. You can't ignore that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I guess it boils down to the, the answer, like any of these things. It's more of a, you know, a middle ground thing where it's the answer is not that female should be in charge and men shouldn't or that men should be extinct. And we just need a female uh, culture, a female race uh, in and of itself. But more of a, uh, you know, uh, more gender equality, more, uh, you know, uh, an improvement in, in communication between the genders, uh, all these things that are pretty uh Pretty common sense, at least I think, to most modern. Yeah, when that makes sense in the whole evolutionary scheme of things. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, we don't necessarily need to go and fight tigers anymore, and 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 uh, and live the way that we lived before, where excessive risk was really great and testosterone levels that were high were really great. So it would make sense that so many thousands of years later, we would evolve into creatures that were a little bit more sensitive to their environments. It just happens that, you know, this discovery of the Y chromosome and this information from the Atlantic, you know, crossed our desk at the same time and it made an interesting story, I think, of yeah. what's going on. But still, I'm looking to the future when uh, other planets will be populated by short women and their robot <laughs> uh, physicians. I think it's going to happen and... Uh, uh, it, it'll be uh, it, it'll be interesting for those that are alive to see it. I think that you need to uh, talk to uh, Branson about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just as a side project, you know. So if you have uh, thoughts on any of that, you can find us on Facebook or Twitter. Um, on either, we are Blow the Mind. Uh, we also update uh, both those accounts with all sorts of cool uh, science-related links from around the net. And you can also share your thoughts via the now old school technology email at below the mind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. 
To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes.